Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. We've got Graziano in here in about a half hour on the Goodyear hotline as the NFL wheeling and dealing continues to come in fast and furious. And as we talked about in the first hour of the show today, sometimes these deals that get done now after the high price items go off the board, sometimes those are mistakes. Sometimes these are bargains. Maybe this year more than any other year. So your team might be reshaping itself as we speak. And then if you were watching TV with us this morning, you heard the Shefty whisperer at his best, and that, of course, is me, working Adam Schefter. I've known Shefty 15 years, and here's the thing about Shefty. He knows everything. He knows everything that happens. He knows everything that is happening, and he knows everything that's going to happen. But he has so many relationships, there's only so much he can tell you. And so I just work him. I just work him. And what I got out of him today, I feel certain of this, is that the Seattle Seahawks want to trade Russell Wilson, and they are willing to do it. Forget about the $39 million dead cap money. It costs them $32 million to have him on the roster. It's a $7 million hit, not a $39 million hit. And that is more than made up for if they wind up drafting his replacement. That's what we got today. The reason the Bears had no shot and have no shot of a a trade with the Seahawks to get Russell Wilson is because they have the 20th pick in the draft. And they have no quarterback on their roster that anyone would want, much less Seattle. So they are not interesting to the Seahawks in a trade. The teams that are interesting are the ones that can offer the kind of quarterback Seattle wants. Keep an eye on the guy. Keep, remember where you heard the name Trey Lance in connection with this conversation. He's the quarterback at a North Dakota State, the same school that gave you Carson Wentz. And he is young. Obviously, he's young. He's in college. He's dynamic. Throws it, runs it, big, strong. Everyone loves him, super smart. No experience is the problem. Played one unbelievable season in the lower division that they play in out there. No interceptions that year, by the way. Then this year, that team opted out of its season, but chose to play one game. They literally played one game as a showcase just for him. And he didn't play particularly well. And that's his entire collegiate experience. So are you willing to trade Russell Wilson for that. But I'm telling you, he's a player people love. So when you consider the teams that might be in it for Russell Wilson, look at the teams at the top of the draft. The Jets, the Dolphins, the Falcons, the Bengals, the Eagles. Take the Bengals out of it, I'm sorry. they're, They're not in this conversation. But those are the spots that a team like Seattle might be interested in going up to. This, I believe, is what we learned today. And there is no question. The possibility of Russell Wilson getting traded before the draft, round one is six weeks from tonight. That possibility is real. So we keep a very close eye on that, and we will as we get closer and closer. I'm Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Greenies takes. In the meantime, it's time for my takes. Let me take you through a couple of different things that I could see happening in the National Football League here. And the very first one involves coaches on the hot seat. I believe Cliff Kingsbury has the second hottest seat in the sport. It goes without saying Matt Nagy is the hottest seat in the sport. Matt Nagy's seat is literally on fire. His seat is so hot that it has combusted. It has spontaneously combusted. 
Matt Nagy is going to get fired at halftime of the first game. That's how brutally hot the seat that he sits on in Chicago, which is a total mess. But I think in Arizona, the time has come where if it doesn't work this year, the finger's going to get pointed at the coach. They've made moves like a team that's trying to win it right now. Year three for Kyler Murray. You got DeAndre Hopkins. Go out and get A.J. Green. Go out and get J.J. Watt. They're putting together the best team in the NFL seven years ago. You go out and get those guys now, you're saying, we're winning it this year. And if they don't do a bunch of winning this year, I think the finger gets pointed at the coach. So I think that a very hot seat in the NFL to keep an eye on is the one Cliff Kingsbury sits on. Now, I happen to think he's a good coach, and I happen to think they're going to be good. But that's a very good division. I think the Rams got way better with the acquisition of the quarterback. San Francisco will do something at quarterback, so they'll be better. Seattle won the division. Let's see what they do with Russell Wilson. That's a very strong division. You could be a good team and not make the playoffs in the NFC West. So I think that the finger will get pointed at the coach if things don't go exactly right. I think Cliff Kingsbury is sitting on the second hottest seat in the NFL. Next, Washington's football team is the sneaky best team in the sport. And by that, I don't mean they're the best team in the sport, but I mean they're the best team that everyone thinks is bad. They finished 5-2 and two last year. They won seven games with the worst quarterback play in the league. They were 32nd in QBR. They went 7-9, and 5-2 and two down the stretch. From the minute Alex Smith started playing for them, they were a decent team. You can't have worse quarterback play. Their defense is that good. Give them average quarterback play, and they were 9-7 and seven last year at least. Now they added pieces. Have you seen this guy, Curtis Samuel, that they just signed yesterday from Carolina? He and Terry McLaurin were teammates at Ohio State. I'm telling you right now, people will talk about all the great receiving duos. No one will pay attention to those guys because if you're not picked in the first nine picks, no one knows who you are. Those are dynamic playmaking weapons. Dynamic. And Fitzpatrick will fling it. And that defense is outstanding. The Washington football team, I'll say it again, is a prohibitive favorite in the NFC East. They're the best team in that division. They're going to win 10 games this year. Fitzpatrick is finally going to lead a team to the playoffs. And with that defense, I think they are very dangerous. And then finally, I just feel like saying this out loud one more time. If I'm the Chicago Bears, I'd rather have Trubisky than Foles or Dalton. At least he's young and ascending rather than old and descending. Now, I don't mean that as a knock on Dalton, or at least as the knock it's going to sound like. Andy Dalton has had a good career. He's been a fine player. He's led uh, multiple teams in Cincinnati to the playoffs. I'm not trying to knock him. I'm not saying I think Trubisky is better than Dalton was or even that he could be this season. But what I'm saying is I don't believe the book has been written on Mitch Trubisky. They've just written it there. I think they'd be better off with him. If I'm them, I'd rather take my chances and see what I've got there than with guys that you absolutely know what they are. The ceiling is very low, and I don't know how much higher the floor is than it is with Trubisky. So I think the Bears have made literally every decision they've made, I think, makes no sense. That is what I'm trying to say. And I will remind you one more time that teams that win March don't usually win in the fall. Pay no attention to some of those stats you'll see going around out there about when you spend all that money in free agency, you have a one-year rise in wins. I will repeat again, over the last five years, the two teams that have spent the most money in free agency, the Jets and the Jaguars, have been the teams with the two worst records in the NFL in that stretch. 
The Jets have spent the most guaranteed money of any team in the NFL over the last five years. They have the worst record in the sport in that time. The Jaguars have spent the second most. They have the second worst record in the sport over that time. If your team hasn't spent a bunch of money this week, do not lose heart. Winning in March is not the time you want. That's not the month you need to be winning. Start worrying about that more in September and October. All right, coming up next, the most awkward reunion imaginable and what it really means. That's on the way. Plus, the green list is Michael Jordan-centric, and that's coming too. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance. So that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PrizePicks.com/Greenberg, code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. The list is coming up. It is Michael Jordan-centric today. Dan Graziano going all around NFL free agency with a lot of wheeling and dealing that is still coming in. Teams are being reshaped as we speak. And I'm going to win you your bracket. Everybody uses analytics for everything else. I'm going to give you the analytics that will absolutely win you your pool with your sheet of integrity. That is on the way. But first... I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Here's a really an awkward reunion that is about to happen. So you're aware of the deal between the Lions and the Rams that was made a few weeks ago and became official, actually, just in the last day or two, and that is the one that trades Jared Goff to the Lions from the Rams in exchange for Matthew Stafford. So when that happened, right after it happened, Michael Brockers of the Rams was excited. He was excited that his team had added Matt Stafford. And he said, quote, is adding Stafford a level up in my heart, deeply just understanding what he brings? It's a level up. It's a level up. He went on to say, I feel like watching him over his career, seeing the comebacks that he's had, 
we're just expecting that to just do better when he comes to the Rams. We expect that to match well with what we do. We feel like with this move, this will be the turning point where we can win the big game. He said that about Matthew Stafford. And then a few weeks later, he has now been traded to the Lions, where he will team once again with Jared Goff. So he said to the world, oh my goodness, trading away Goff to get us Matt Stafford, that made us great. And now he got traded back to the team that has Goff on it. Now, will that be a problem? I don't know. Probably not. But it did make me think about something. Just how different is that from the situation that Russell Wilson is going to be in if he does go back to Seattle? So Russell Wilson, I think in something of a passive-aggressive effort to get himself traded, came out and criticized his offensive line. He's made it pretty clear, and those are the most important people in the world. No one is more important to anyone than offensive linemen are to quarterbacks. And if you've ever been around them, you see the way they treat them. The quarterbacks treat the offense, even the bad ones. (laughs) They buy Rolexes for guys who can't block anybody. And so now here's Russell Wilson going on Dan Patrick's show and other places and saying, hey, my O-line can't block anybody. That's why I'm getting hit all the time, and I'm getting good and tired of it, too. That's basically what he said. And if he doesn't get traded, he's got to go back and play with those guys in Seattle. How awkward of a reunion is that going to be? I'm sure he'll work it out. I'm sure that'll all be just fine. But it is another reminder of my philosophy in life, which is derived from one of my favorite movies, which is the movie When Harry Met Sally. If you haven't seen it, watch it. That's a homework assignment. It is the greatest of all rom-coms. And there is a great line at the end of that movie where Billy Crystal, who has decided he is in love with Meg Ryan, he says, quote, when you decide who it is you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to begin as quickly as possible. And in this case, I think the same holds true in reverse. When Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks decide they want the rest of their lives to be apart from each other, the best scenario is to let the rest of their lives begin as quickly as possible. I don't think bringing him back for another year is really serving anybody's best interest. I don't think it serves his best interest. He clearly wants out. And I'm not sure it serves the team's best interest unless they think they have a legit shot at winning a Super Bowl this year. Now, they've made some moves. They signed a good tight end yesterday, Gerald Everett, former Rams, stole him away for, took him away from a division rival. But it just feels to me like if they can make a find a deal that works out there, it probably behooves them knowing that the rest of their lives could begin as quickly as possible. It probably behooves them to do it. And I've said this about Russell Wilson many times. I've been around him a little bit. I remember doing an event with him at the Super Bowl, whatever year it was in Minnesota. And I remember that because we were freezing to death. But being around him and being around the people he surrounds himself with, Russell is super smart, and he surrounds himself with incredibly smart people, which tells you, among other things, this was not an accident. Remember, I don't believe in accidents or coincidences. It is not an accident that he has said all these things. It's not a coincidence that he has said all these things. Russ wants out. Let's see if he can get himself out. All right, next order of business. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. Something I just want you to know. So Michael Jordan is going to be the subject of the green list, which is coming up in just a few minutes, because today is the anniversary. March 18th, 1995 was the day he, he faxed the words, I'm back, and announced he was returning from baseball. 
maybe the most consequential two-word sentence in the history of sports, and we're going to do him for the list. But I realize I haven't told you this story in a while, not since I moved my time slot here. So maybe you don't know it. And if you don't, I think it's just worth letting you know that when I was born, my father was very close to his uncle. He had an uncle who was my uncle Ben, lived well into my lifetime. He was my great uncle, but my father was incredibly close to him. He was like a second father to my dad. And he, my great uncle Ben, did not ever have children of his own. And my father was close enough to him that when he married my mom and when they were first young people, before I was born, he gave serious thought to changing his last name to honor his uncle, to whom he was so close. So he would not have been named Greenberg, and thus neither would I. My uncle's name was Benjamin Jordan, which means that if my father had done that, my name would have been Michael Jordan. I was born in 1967, long before that would have been an awkward name to give a young child. And so I often think, you know, what would it be like if I were in this business, if everything else in my life was exactly the same? His name was spelled J-A-U-R-D-I-N, by the way, but it was pronounced Jordan. What would it have been like if I had gotten into this business and been Michael Jordan? Like, would that have, could I have possibly made it as a sports broadcaster being Michael Jordan? Or would I have had to change my name? Maybe to Greenberg. (laughs) Because the whole Greeny thing has worked out very well for me. Like I used to think that my long name was somewhat clunky, Michael Greenberg. When I was a kid, I was always Michael. I was never Mike. I never became Mike until I went on the air. And so I used to think that my name was a drawback when I was in college. This is Michael Greenberg reporting. It just seemed too long. I changed it to Mike or started using Mike. It's not legally changed, but I started using Mike when I got on the air. And, and, and then a guy named Tom Scher, a broadcaster in Chicago that I worked with, just called me Greeny one day on the air. No one had ever called me that in my entire life and I was, until I was 24, 25 years old. And the whole Greeny thing has worked out very well for me. So I, I, and I like it, and it's become, you know, whatever. It's my alter ego. I'm Greeny. But it does, I do sometimes stop and think, what would it have been like to be called Michael Jordan and to try and be in this business or any business? You know, we have one of the guys who runs our entire sales department is named Tom Brady. And every time I'm on a Zoom with him, it makes me laugh. I can't not laugh because, you know, when you're on a Zoom, you see everybody's name under their screen and he's talking and it says Tom Brady. And somewhere there's a little icon that says Tom Brady is talking. And there's not one person on that Zoom who's not thinking, well, that isn't Tom Brady. <laughs> so I do think that it would have been very difficult for me to have come out in the air and said, good evening. Now the sports, I'm Michael Jordan. I just think it would have been very difficult to make my living that way. So I was just thinking about it. And it was something I just thought I wanted you to know. All right, coming up next, Michael Jordan is the subject of today's green list, and I will win you your bracket with analytics. That's coming up after this on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. 
Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Greeny, the podcast. I'm Greeny. I'm coming to you live, as always, from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. I got the green list in just a second. I got Graziano with the NFL wheeling and dealing, and I'm going to win you your bracket in just a minute. But first, you know what's interesting? You work with somebody, and as time goes on, you learn things about them. So we're just in a conversation here. Nuno Teixeira, hashtag Nuno, is the producer of this show. I've only ever known him as a producer. He used to produce the Will Kane show before I came back to radio. And we're just in a conversation about something else entirely. And he just says aloud the sentence, you know, back when I used to sell cars. And then I, I don't even know what he said after that because I stopped paying attention because I had no idea. Nuno used to sell cars. Bubba, did you know that? I don't believe Nuno has a mic where he's sitting today because he's with me in the studio. So I don't think he can respond. <laughs> We're showing a picture of Nuno right now on TV. Bubba, did you know that Nuno used to sell cars? Oh, I knew. Oh, yeah. I, I, I knew nothing of this. I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, you learn things about the staff. This is, he's a member of the hashtag crew. I mean, that wasn't his only job. What else did he used to do? I wouldn't worry about it. Well, what does that mean? I mean, what are you suggesting? Was he in the CIA? He did some things. Well, what is it you can't tell? What could he have possibly done? Uh, what is it he could have possibly oh, done that, that you can't? he did some things. What things could Nuno have done that, that he couldn't, you couldn't tell me on the air? I can't even, would you buy a car from Nuno? I mean, no I, way. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, no I, way. That's I, why he's working with us. <laughs> okay. Listen, I'm glad that you said it because I was thinking it. Anyway, we love Nuno. We love every member of the hashtag crew. Graziano in a minute, but first the list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. Today is March 18th. Today is the 26th anniversary of an incredibly important day in sports history. 26 years ago today, Michael Jordan faxed the most impactful two-word sentence in the history of sports. I'm back. And he came back from baseball, and he had his second act in the NBA, and it was glorious. And so today's list are the five greatest accomplishments he had after his return 26 years ago today. Number five. Five is the double nickel game at the Garden. It was 10 days after, so March 28th of 95. I was there, and if you were in the Garden that night, you'll never forget it. There is a particular sound that an arena can make, and I think maybe the Garden just does something special about it. And Jordan had come back. He had played a couple of games. I think that was his third game back or fourth. I was covering the team. And he had not really sort of caught. It had not caught fire. And then we, he came to the Garden and he was unbelievable. He was ridiculous that night. 
Again, 55 points, and he dished it off to Bill Wennington for an uncontested dunk to win the game at the buzzer. It was an unbelievable game. It was an unbelievable atmosphere, and it really signaled Michael Jordan was indeed bad. Number four. At four, Jordan, in his final season as a Bull, became the oldest player in NBA history to lead the league in scoring. And I think that remains, it's a record that remains. He is also the only player over 40 ever to score 40 points in a game. So Michael Jordan, all this talk, he didn't play as long as a lot of these other guys are playing now, but it's not because it fell off. It's not because he couldn't play anymore. That's for damn sure. Number three. At number three, I want you to go back and look up the 1998 NBA Finals, his last finals as a bull. When they beat Utah in six, the one that ends with him making the jump shot. The one that, the, the, that's the season that they did in last dance. Jordan averaged 33 and a half points a game in those finals, which is made all the more remarkable by the fact that not, neither team scored 100 points in any of the games. Those games were in the 80s. Game one of that series was 88-85, if memory serves correctly, and it went to overtime. I, the Bulls did not score 100 points in any of those games. So he averaged well over a third of their points. So you might think 33 and a half points sounds like a lot. It's a hell of a lot more than you think because they actually played defense in the NBA then and everything wasn't three pointers. So Michael Jordan scoring in that series at that age was remarkable. Number two. Number two, you have to give them the 72 win season, the 95, 96 season that set the all time record for most wins subsequently broken by Golden State. No one had ever won more than 69. 70 was a magical barrier. I remember that day they won their 70th game. They wound up 72 and 10 that year. And then their mantra through the playoffs was it don't mean a thing if you don't get the ring. Obviously, they did get that ring. They stampeded through the postseason. They swept Orlando in the conference final, and they were up 3-0 on Seattle in the finals. They easily could have swept that series, too. Wound up winning it in six. That team was unbelievable, and that is number two on my list. Number one. But number one on today's green list of Jordan's greatest accomplishments when he came back, and this is right up my alley, those three seasons, 96, 97, 98, when they won the championships, he was age 33, 34, and 35. Michael Jordan played 82, 82, and 82 regular season games. Load management were not words in his vocabulary. God bless him for it. And Michael Jordan played every one of those games like they mattered and still managed to be the best player on the court through the playoffs into the finals at that age. So the idea that players can't play all 82 games in the NBA today continues to offend my sensibility. And Michael Jordan, if you had suggested it to him, would have punched you in the face. And that is today's green list of the five greatest Jordan accomplishments after he returned on this day in 1995. Greeny with you, and it is time now for Breaking Moves. Breaking Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. And for today's Breaking Moves, my NFL insider extraordinaire, Dan Graziano, who is with us and is invaluable with us uh, all the time on Get Up on TV in the morning, joins me here on the Goodyear Hotline. Hello again, Graziano. Hello, Greeny. How are you? Well, I'm following a lot of the stuff that seems to be happening while I'm on the air here. We've got the big ticket items, and now there's a lot of other moves that are getting made here that are fascinating to me. Just catch everybody up on some of the, you know, people talk all about all the huge signings, but it feels like there's still some stuff to be talked about. So give catch everybody up who's been listening to me and not following along on Twitter or anything else. What are some of the wheeling and dealing that's going on right now you have your eye on? Well, this morning, I think we're still looking at these receivers and where they end up, right? I mean, we know that uh, Kenny Galladay is uh, trying to plan a visit with the Giants. 
Um, and you know, he has some, there's some mutual interest there. So we'll see how that goes. The Bengals were also interested. Um, Juju Smith Schuster. We've kind of thought all along the jets made some sense and it starts to sound like they're showing some interest. So we're watching that as well. Um, well, I don't know how much has actually happened yet this morning, but uh, a little, you know, pieces kind of moving along. So Giants signed up backup quarterback, Mike Glennon. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think what else has gone on since you've been on the air. I think it's uh, more about the, um, you know, chess pieces moving around. Absolutely. And, and those are incredibly significant pieces. And so that's just the stuff that people keep their eye on now. Then let's go to the big ticket item that we were talking about on TV this morning. And that, that is the Russell Wilson of it all. And it certainly sounds to me, like the Seahawks remain at least somewhat open to the possibility of trading him, but it will not be soon because they want more time to look at the quarterbacks who will be available in this draft. And should they fall in love with one of them and think that they could make a trade that would enable them to draft that player, it sounds to me like that is the likeliest way they would be willing to make a move here with Russell Wilson. Do you think I have that read correctly? Yeah, yeah, sort of. I mean, the key is the, the, the biggest issue in the Russell Wilson situation is that Seattle doesn't have a sense of where it would go at quarterback if they dealt it. So, yes, the draft, one possibility, right? We, we know that. Could, could there be a situation where the acquiring team sends back a quarterback, and then who would that be? Uh, so there, it, it, if Seattle has an idea that they have a quarterback to fall back on, a good option that they like, then I think the trade becomes much more likely. Um, until that time, it seems like they really don't want to entertain it. So as the draft gets closer, I think we, we certainly watch that and what other uh, quarterback situations around the league develop that might be appealing to the Seahawks as an option if they do trade their guys. So. The dead money hit we've talked about, I don't get the sense that's a huge, huge problem for them. Uh, getting the quarterback back in the trade I don't think is essential if they can find one somewhere else. So I, I think that's the thing to keep an eye on. If you start to see Seattle poking around on quarterbacks, be it in the drafts or anywhere else, then I think you can start to believe that uh, a trade might have a pretty good chance of happening. Greeny and Dan Graziano, by the way, I just was handed a tweet from Rich Semini, your friend and mine, who covers the Jets, who, who just tweeted, the Jets do have interest in Juju Smith-Schuster. How much remains to be seen? Could just be Douglas, meaning Joe Douglas, the general manager, exploring a slow wide receiver market or maybe more. Um, so that, that Juju Smith-Schuster is an interesting one to me. When do we expect these receivers to start to go? Usually these things happen as dominoes. When do, should we expect that to start to fall? Galladay, Juju, some more big names that are out there. Yeah, Will Fuller, you know, a couple of guys. I, I think the... Um... You know, I, I think we start to see like Galladay trying to plan a visit to New York. Very old school, right? The the free agent visit. You just don't see it that much anymore. I think if uh, I think if he were to move, if, if something were to happen with him, uh, whether it be with the Giants or somewhere else, you might see the Will Fuller types and um, you know some of the other guys that are on the market move. But the issue right now is teams aren't teams don't want to spend on these guys at the level that they're looking for at least and. The draft seems to be pretty okay at wide receivers. So there are teams that believe they can find their answer there as well. So uh, it, it seems like all these things happen at once. The other day, a bunch of quarterbacks all signed at once. So I think it's a matter of seeing uh, what happens with Galladay, and, uh, and maybe that might get the market moving pretty quick. There are four receivers that are forecast to go in the first round of the draft this year. One of them is Kadarius Tony from Florida, who will be – probably in the second half of the first round. And the other three 
people think are off the charts good, like ridiculously good. Jamar Chase from LSU, who sat out this past year but was the best receiver in football the year before. Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman this past year. And the other kid from Alabama, who was supposed to be even better, Jalen Waddell, but broke his ankle early in the season. So there are three receivers at the top of this draft people might be interested in. And then one last thing for you, Dan, and it's such a, it's such a delicate subject. But as I've been on here, I haven't been able to read the details, but I see that a third lawsuit has been brought against Deshaun Watson. These are all civil complaints. They are not criminal charges, uh, but they are of, of serious in nature against, very serious, against Deshaun Watson. And um, while the, obviously the circumstances there to be played out are much more important than anything involving football for the women involved and for Deshaun himself, his reputation, and beyond that, what, if any, sense do we have of, of – I mean, he's a person directly in the middle of so much trade conversation. What, if any, sense do we have at this point of how that will impact whether or not Deshaun Watson gets traded in the next six weeks? You know, it's one of those things, and, and the way you introduced it, I think, it indicates this. You don't want to start to just go right to the football side of it because that – uh, overlooks the significance of the issues uh, at at hand. You know, if if the allegations against him, which he denies, are true, then they're very serious and they have to be dealt with seriously. So that out of the way. That said, um, I think the I think you know we had Mike Tannenbaum on today talking from the front office perspective. Something like this comes up, you obviously, as a team potentially interested in him, have to think about what can we do to find more out? Do we have to wait? Um, do we have to do our own kind of investigating behind the scenes? Uh, you know, is it a situation where even if the legal case doesn't proceed, you know, could he face league discipline and be suspended for a time? You know, maybe that makes it less, less, less likely to pursue him. So all those things I think enter the, the calculations and um, it's, it's, Way too early to know for sure what kind of effect this will all have. Here is the lead of, of Sarah Barshop's story. She covers the Texans for us at ESPN. I, I literally just got this. A third civil lawsuit filed against Deshaun Watson has accused the Houston Texans quarterback of sexually assaulting a massage therapist. It was filed by an attorney in Houston. It's the third civil case filed against him this week. The previous two were related to two separate incidents. Uh, during which he is accused of committing civil assault. It is important to point out that he denied the first one. He has not commented since then. They are civil complaints. They are not criminal complaints, but they are very serious in nature. I think, Dan, you said it right. We need to point that out first. That's more important than anything else that happens. But, of course, within the realm of sports, this is an important sports story with important sports ramifications, and we'll continue to follow that as well. If there's any further information, we'll bring it along. Uh, in the meantime, Graziano, good luck to your Georgetown Hoyas, just to change the subject completely oh. as the NCAA tournament gets underway. I'm, I'm about to give everybody all of the analytics. Hembo gave me all the analytics and how you should be picking your team and picking your bracket. How are you feeling about your Hoyas going into this thing? You know, they're already – they shouldn't have been here. So I'm, I'm, I think it was fun to watch them last week. You know, they were under 500. They needed to win the entire Big East tournament just to get over 500 for the year. So it's like you really don't know how to feel about it, but I'll watch it. Um, I'll get excited. I'll be a fan. And, uh, you know, if they, if they win one or two, then it'll be fun. But I think that'll be uh, – it'll feel like a real bonus after this year. I'm trying to do the math on your age. So, so Ewing is older than yeah. me, and, and you're younger than me. Were you there for the Alonzo morning years? What year was, were you in Georgetown? Yeah. I was there for two of them. My freshman year, they had morning and Matumbo on the team. 
it was it was pretty cool. They they beat Duke in uh, like December, and then but Morning got hurt in that game, and it kind of wrecked the whole year. And then he was back the next year, and then junior senior years did just did not go very well. And that was pre Allen Iverson, so kind of right in the middle of um, you know when it was starting to get bad and when it kind of ticked back up again. Were you covering the teams? Like you're you're a, you're a you're a sports reporter now. Were you? Did you like work yeah. for the school paper and everything and cover those teams? I, I did. Well, not those teams because, you know, when you were at the, at the school paper covering sports, basketball was the big beat, right? right? So, like, when you're a freshman and a sophomore, you're not on basketball. I was doing lacrosse and track and field and football and whatever. So, by the time I was junior and senior, yes, basketball. But, again, those teams were not uh, not, not not very memorable. All right, but I need to hear some Big John stories another time. So, sometime when oh, we don't have a lot going on, I need to hear about what it was like to be a college reporter covering John Thompson. <laughs> But I got to run here. Good luck to you this week. All right. And I'll talk to you on TV in the next day or two. Sounds good. Thanks. That's Graziano with the insight. And if anything else breaks, by all means, let me know. I'm getting stuff handed to me as we go here. And that's obviously the most important thing. But I want to get you ready for your brackets. Tonight is the first four. And then the first round starts tomorrow. And I want to get you ready for it. I'll also remind you that with the the season reaching tournament time, the Wendy's Wooden Watch has announced the final ballot. You can go to ESPN.com and search Wooden Watch for the list of the Wooden Award late season top 15 nominees Four games tonight, complete reaction tomorrow. The John R. Wooden Award is presented by Wendy. All right, here we go. So here's what I'm going to give you now. All right, take your sheet out and just start getting ready to circle if you still do it with a pen or go ahead and click it on ESPN.com as you fill out your bracket, your sheet of integrity, as I have been calling it for 15 years. Everybody in sports uses analytics to do everything. So use analytics for this. Be smart. Here we go. Here's the first thing you need to know. You should take three teams in the first round who are seated 12 or lower. That's the number, on average, of teams that, go, that, that win, that you talk about upsets. How many upsets should I pick? The number is three. The specific number is three teams that are seated 12 or lower to win round one. And I'll tell you which teams. Our analytics say the likeliest to do it are Liberty, a 13 seed, Colgate, a 14 seed, and North Texas, a 13 seed. Those are your three big upsets in round one. Do it now. Next, at least one double-digit seed makes it to the Sweet 16 basically every year, 33 out of 35 times. So you want to pick one of these three teams and only one of them. Syracuse, Virginia Tech, or Maryland. Choose the one you like there of your matchups. Our analytics say they were the three likeliest. Put either Syracuse, Virginia Tech, or Maryland, and only one of the three, into the Sweet 16. Then, don't go chalk. Do not put all one seeds in the Final Four. It almost never happens. At least one team seeded three or lower has made it to the Final Four 32 out of the 35 years they've been in this format. So you want a team that is seeded three or lower, and the likeliest, according to our analytics... Put one of these three teams in. Villanova, the five seed from the south. Tennessee, the five seed from the Midwest. And Texas Tech, the six seed from the south. Pick one of those three and put that team in the final four. And then finally, and here's the most important thing I will tell you. Gonzaga is not going to win. Everyone is telling you, oh, Gonzaga's a lock. They're the best team since this and that. And they're going to be the first since Indiana to go unbeaten. Look at their analytics. Look at their strength of schedule. 
Their strength of schedule is 86th in the country. That would be by far the worst schedule played entering the tournament by any team to win it all. By far the worst. In fact, the average strength of schedule is 26th. So I'm telling you right now, they're good, but they're not tested. Take somebody else. Gonzaga's not going to win it. And let me finally say, you're welcome. Use analytics, fill out your sheet of integrity, and go ahead and win your pool. Greeny with you, and it's time now for some straight talk. Your tax return could look different this year, but you're still going to hear a lot of noise about how to spend it. So when the big carriers tell you to splurge on the latest nonsense, just tune it out. With Straight Talk, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199, plus get the $45 unlimited talk, text, and data plan with no contract on America's best networks for up to 50% less. Tune out the nonsense, tune into Straight Talk, Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Thank you to Graziano, Scott Pioli today, my buddy Chris Canty for hanging around and talking sports, and most importantly, thank you for spending this time with me. It is fun. It is such a delight to be back here doing this during this busy time. NCAA tournament tonight. First round is tomorrow. Let's go. I'll see you then. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.